those of you that are joining us on LiveGate Outreach TV, we want to welcome you very specially as well. And we pray that the Lord will continue to honor his word in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to really thank God for the Kingdom Power series that we started a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the Lord has been dealing with us, particularly from the book of Romans chapter 14 verse 17, which says the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. We'll still read it later on. But it is in righteousness, it is in peace, and it is in joy in the Holy Ghost. So we've been looking at the kingdom power. We looked at the kingdom power of righteousness, the kingdom power of peace last week, and the kingdom power of joy is the title of our topic today. I have a banner which is very simple, just shows a few people who are truly living in joy. Um, when you are in joy, it is expressive. Joy cannot be contained. A joyful man can easily be recognized. And I pray you will be that man. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. A joyful man is not, a hap- is not just a happy man. He is a man who has gone beyond happiness into the realm of the power of joy that God supplies. May God cause you to walk in that realm. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And so when we talk about the joy of the Lord, I want us to be fully conversant of the fact that the joy of the Lord is the kind of gladness that comes into the heart of a person who has known God, experienced Christ, and has the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the encounter with the Trinity, gives birth to joy. The supernatural marriage of man with, the, with divinity gives birth to true joy. Joy as I said, it's not like happiness. Happiness is a produce in many times or a product in many times of the marriage of the heart of man with something. With something. Now, a joyful, righteous man can be happy, but his own happiness is joy because his heart is knitted onto discovering God the Father, experiences, experiences his son Jesus Christ, and is filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What the world has and gives in the realm of the emotions and happiness is a marriage with anything else. So people marry alcohol and they have temporary happiness as long as they remain drunk. And so to keep it going, they keep getting drunk. People marry some kind of music and it gives them a high. Because of the words that those songs contain. It pumps them up. And as long as that song is playing, there is a kind of a happiness. That is not joy. That is not necessarily joy. And this is why the devil tries to pervert even the worship of God to the realm of happiness. And tries believers, tries to get believers to get psyched up by the songs they sing in the presence of God. So that they can be happy. You don't stop at that realm. You press into a realm where you marry divinity. You marry God the Father. You accept Jesus Christ's son as your Lord and Savior. And you continue to allow yourself to be filled by the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said, you do not be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. People who are drunk with wine are looking for what you have. You just keep being filled. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Of the three, 
that is the one you need to constantly, you have received, you know the God the Father, you have received Jesus Christ, his son, once and for all, and you are saved, but you have to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And when you understand these principles, God helps you to live in the true reality of joy. It is a natural reaction to the work of God, whether as promises or things that have already been fulfilled. We react in joy to those things. Theologians tell us that the Greek word for joy is kara. C-H-A-R-A. Kara is closely, of course, related to the word charis, which we all know means grace or a gift. So when we talk about kara or joy, we are saying that it is a natural response to the charis of God, the grace of God. So we have joy because God's grace was communicated to us through Jesus Christ. Why am I laying this emphasis? Believers must leave the realm of being happy. Being happy is good, but it's not the ultimate of God for you. God wants you to live in joy. It is the exclusive reserve of those who have known the Lord. The true joy that the world seeks is only found in Jesus Christ. That is why when Jesus was to be born in Luke chapter 2 from verse 9, and I start to read my scriptures from that verse, the Bible says, let's read together if you're there. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. This we're talking about the shepherds that were looking for the son to be born. Verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you what? Good tidings of what? Good tidings of what? Which will be to what? All the people. But look at verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This joy is coming unto all the people. But as many who receive the born child will be those who will truly partake of it. That is why when the born child became a man, he said in John chapter 16 verse 24, he said, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that what? Your joy may be full. God's desire is that your joy is full and that my joy is full. And I decree that as you are hearing these words today, my God will cause your joy to be full. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. We have to come and understand that joy comes with the revelation that we receive. The more you know of God and hear from God and know the things of God, the more joyful your life can be. The Bible makes us to understand and to know from uh, uh, Psalm 30 verse 5. He said, although weeping may endure, his anger is lasting for a moment and his favor is for life. He said, but even though weeping may endure for a night, but joy does what? Comes in the morning. The morning talks about a bright light. 
The morning doesn't talk about the morning we see like this physically. It talks about every time there is a dawning, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Every time there is a dawning of the prophetic word. He said, and so we have a prophetic word confirmed in the morning. He said, which you do well to heed as a light that shines where? In a dark place. And the Bible says, until the day dawns. Somebody say the morning. And the morning stars arises. Somebody say the morning. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises where? In your heart. Tell your neighbor for me, your joy is in you. Every other form of happiness needs an external influence. It needs something to happen from the outside. It needs something to be said from the outside. So a lot of people today have fixed their happiness on what people say to them. So people are moody based on what people say to them. If they say to them, you look good, then they're happy. And their confidence is high. But if the first person they meet on the day say to them, you're looking horrible, then they've made the whole day a sad day. Because they're expecting for their joy to come from outside. The Bible says it is a morning star that rises in your heart. There is something the Holy Spirit quickens on your inside and my inside that gives us joy. So it takes no cognizance and has a total disrespect for what happens in our circumstances and our environment. I pray that God will help us to press into that realm today. In the mighty name of Jesus. This was what Nehemiah was saying to the people. Nehemiah, we read from Nehemiah chapter 8 today. The prelude to that is the fact that Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 1 goes straight to chapter 8, but I just want to quickly give give you a reminder of the history. Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah was a man who had a burden to go rebuild the, the, the broken down walls of Jerusalem, his city. And he went to his king and he got permission to go. And we are told in verse 2, in chapter 2, he got the permission, he left. In chapter 3, he mobilized the people, they began to build and they rebuilt everything. In chapter 4, everything was going well, but the people who were opposing them were making things very difficult. And in Nehemiah chapter 5, we were told that even among themselves, they started to have some kind of oppression. Those who were wealthier were oppressing those who were less privileged, and Nehemiah corrected things. And things went on in Nehemiah chapter 6 and 7, and they were restored. But all the captives now came back to the city where they had been out of Jerusalem, where they had been driven away as captives. But a time came in Nehemiah chapter 8 when it was obvious that despite all that God has done to bring restoration, to bring uh, uh, people back to their places out of captivity, a lot of people were still sad. And it is a picture of the body of Christ even today as we speak. A lot of believers are sad not because they have not been saved, not because they have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, not because they don't believe that God the Father is God, Jesus his Son is his Son, and not because they don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but simply because they lack the same knowledge that these people had. And that is why we studied Nehemiah chapter 8 today, and we're just going to focus on a few of the verses as I read from verse 9. The Bible says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day, somebody said, This day. Any day is the day of the morning star, is the day of the dawning of the word. It's a day of the revelation of the word. I pray that this day will be your day. 
everything threatening your peace and threatening your joy will bow to the revelation of today. In the name of Jesus. And Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. Please look at your neighbor for me. Say stop mourning. Stop weeping. He said, do not mourn nor weep. Because all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. How many people today hear the word of God rather than taking it and allowing joy to well on their inside. They weep because at times it is demanding. At times it is correcting. At times it is uh, expecting. So the word of God, the Bible says it has power. It is profitable. But in, inside the prophet, it expresses itself at times as correction. It expresses itself as rebuke. It expresses itself as comfort. But the believers only want the word that comforts and comforts and comforts. And so when they hear the word that comforts, they smile. They feel good. They feel happy. They feel joyful, as it were. But when they hear the word that is rebuking and the word that seems to want to place a demand on something, a demand on your time, a demand on your energy, a demand on your commitment, a demand on your money, a demand on your ability, a demand whatsoever, the Bible says the people became weeping, they became mourning, they were mourning for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord, they felt it was too demanding. And Nehemiah said to them, verse 10, he said, go your way, listen, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send the portions to those whom have nothing is prepared. For this day is holy, which means it's a day that is separated unto God, to the Lord our God. He said, do not sorrow. Tell your neighbor for me again, do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, if you have ever read in scripture that God can no longer be joyful over his work and over all he has done, then you have a right to be sorrowful. But if you have never seen it, and you have never find, found it, and you will never find it, then you must never sorrow. You and I must never sorrow because the joy of the Lord, which is constant, which is everlasting, will continue to be our strength. So shall it be in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, so the Levites quieted the people saying, be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. Let's read verse 12 together. Let's read verse 12 loud and clear. Everybody together. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions to, and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Again, because. Because they understood the words that were declared to them. Somebody say the morning joy. Say the morning light. Say the revealed word. Say the day star. The morning star. Understanding is the morning star. When you understand the word, you see every time you get knowledge, what you have done is you have acquired some information. A lot of believers have much information about the Bible, but very, very few have understanding, which is the revelation of the information they have. When you have a revelation of the word that you have heard, it intoxicates you. 
Have you ever seen a person holding a, a, a bottle of uh, wine that they have not drank from and they are drunk by just holding it? Have you ever seen that? They hold it and then they are swerving like somebody who has drunk? Oh, it's not possible. But the moment they gulp it and gulp it and gulp it inside, that is revelation. <laughs> that is revelation. Then they start to behave by the intoxication of that wine. So as long as you have information, you know it, you can quote all the verses. The devil is in bothered. He say, you, yo, yo, fine. If I can share some with you, you want more scripture to know? <laughs> he will share some with you. He thought he could do that with Jesus. He said, you know, the Bible also said, is that not what he said? He said, you know, the Bible says you can jump down the angels who guide you. And he was quoting Psalm 91. So if, if, if Jesus did not have a revelation of who he was, he would have said, yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> but you and I must understand that we need the revelation of the word, the way Jesus had it, and know how to counter the devil. So that when he's trying to threaten your joy, the day star that is making you understand the words that have been declared to you will arise in your heart. And you find a resistance to every opposition of the devil that is trying to rob you of your joy. I pray that it continues to be your portion. I humbly submit to you that there are certain things that God by his grace and mercies have taught me for the past few decades. That have made it virtually impossible for the devil to cheat me in certain areas again. I mean impossible. Impossible. That may sound arrogant. That may sound rude. I don't really mind and care how you take it, but it is just what I know for myself. Hallelujah. You know, when you know certain things, you, nobody confuses you. It's like me going out with this beautiful lady here, and then we're going to town, and then somebody looks at me and says, that's not your wife. What will I do to such a person? No, no comment, isn't it? No comment. Absolutely no comment. Is it, that is impossible. Mm, after 22 years almost. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the same way the word of God intoxicates you. It moves you. When you have some revelation like this, it becomes impossible for the devil to make you sad again. Any area of your life where he's still buffeting and cheating and tormenting and making it difficult, I decree today that the understanding you are receiving today will stop the enemy over your life. In the name of Jesus. This is why Nehemiah told all the repentant Israelites that the joy of the Lord will be their strength. They don't need to weep anymore. The early church, after Jesus came and left in Acts chapter 2, the early church also learned this. Acts chapter 2 from verse 46 we read. The Bible says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they did what? They ate their food with gladness and what? Simplicity of heart. They ate their food with gladness. They had a revelation that this was after the Pentecost. Power had come on them and a lot has happened. Peter had preached that wonderful message. 3,000 people had just been added to 120 people. So this was a multiplied church, a blossoming church, a church that took off and with a big bang. And so the Bible says they caught that power and they continued daily. But right from the beginning, they discovered that the place of gladness must never be left alone. So we must never allow the devil to cheat us out of our joy. When we talk about joy in the Holy Spirit, this is the distinguishing mark of the kingdom of God. Believers have to be distinguished. And the way we are distinguished is how we operate and live under this joy of the Holy Spirit. It sets us apart. 
It makes it impossible for the things that move everybody else to also move us. This is why we have been reading from Romans chapter 14 verse 17. I would like all of us to shout it out loud again. The Bible says, let's go together. For the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but what? Righteousness and peace and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are a member of this kingdom, and those three things must be together. And the very first session I said they are all and, 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 simply because they are together. They are not one of the three. Every righteous man must have peace and must have joy. Everyone who has been called the righteousness of God in Christ must be with peace and with joy. Because those two things come with Jesus Christ. We became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he said to us last week, remember, he said, my peace, John 14, 27, my peace, I live with you. Not the type that the world gives. So it is part of my righteousness that I give to you. And then today we read, he said, my joy. He said, if you ask, you will receive of my joy and you will have it to the full. Hallelujah. And so we all must understand that what God expects of us is to continue to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to quickly share with us three areas of life where the joy of the Holy Spirit can manifest in and through our lives. The first very basic obvious thing is in our salvation. Every time we talk about the word salvation, I want us to remember that salvation comes from the Greek word sozo, which basically means new birth, physical healing, and deliverance. Many times believers know salvation as the first part, new birth. So you meet a lot of people who say, I'm born again, I'm born again. But they really do not understand that once you are born again, you are also a partaker of physical healing. Access to physical healing. Access to deliverance. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 says, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Several benefits exist as we become born again. This is why in Ephesians chapter 6 also it tells us that when we take on the weapon of God, it says when we take on the whole armor of God, verse 13, he said, we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he began to list the different things. But verse 17 tells us that we should do what? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of your salvation protects your thinking. Your salvation is an experience that God gave to you when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And part of what it does in using it as a warfare for you to defend your joy is that it has to change your thinking. You must change your mindset. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Do not be conformed. The world wants you to conform to its own standards. The world wants you to enjoy happiness the way it does. The world wants you to be lured by the same things it is lured by. It is the strategy of the devil. He says, change your mindset. Tell your neighbor for me, change your mind. Continuously. With the word of God. 
Every time you read what the Bible says, agree with it. That's how a mindset is changed. Agree with what the Bible says. Don't agree with what your physical body says. If the Bible says by his stripes you are healed, by his stripes you were healed, agree with it. Thank God for the doctor's report. Thank God for the way you feel in your body. But there is a mindset you need to have that says that I have been healed by his stripes. Those stripes were given to him over 2,000 years ago. Now I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. Now I am healed. And as it works more and more in your mind, it changes your thinking. It changes the way. And when your thinking is changed, your speech is changed. When your speech is changed, your world is changed. Because what you speak is what you behave, is what you become. So you must always understand the place of the helmet of salvation in warfare is that you continually search the scriptures, know what the word of God says. So when something is about to come to steal your joy and it's trying to tell you that you can see now, you are the odd man out, you're not going to get that job, you are the odd man out, you know they don't like you, you know that there is nothing that works for you, you begin to go back to the word of God that says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar person. You are a royal priesthood. You have been called to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into where? His marvelous light. And you begin to quote the word of God. You begin to meditate on the word of God and declare the word of God. This is how you use the helmet of your salvation to protect your joy. You begin to say, I am the head and not the tail. Promotion does not come from the east nor from the west, but it comes from above. And as long as you stay in the place where your mind is meditating on the word of God, you give yourself the opportunity to overcome the devil that is trying to steal your joy. At times he comes to you and tells you it is too late. The Bible says that God makes everything beautiful in its time. And so when the devil comes to you and says, you know what, it's too late. You say, no, it's never late with my God because my God makes everything beautiful in its time. I'm going through a process and when I manifest, it will be beautiful. When I manifest, it will be glorious. Hallelujah. No matter what you are waiting for in life, never let the devil tell you that it's too late. When he tells people that it's too late, they go to one corner and they start to weep. They start to mourn. They said, Lord, why? I, in this my few years of life, so far by the grace of God, I've sat down with women who have waited one year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty-two years for the first child to be born. And with these very eyes and with these two hands, I've carried those babies and what a joy it is. After waiting for such a long time with those women and that day you hold that baby, you remember that with this God is never too late. Never ever too late. Hallelujah. I have seen people get married at 22. I've seen people get married at 45. And yet they still live beautifully well with children doing well, beautifully well. Everything is made beautiful in its time. I've seen people, single ladies with two children, three children, still get married in glorious, beautiful settings and still carry on with life and still live beautifully well because God still makes everything beautiful in its time. I say, my God will make everything beautiful for you in his time. In the name of Jesus, keep putting on your helmet of salvation. Let it guard your thinking. As long as the devil makes you see yourself any less of what you ought to be, you can never allow your joy to thrive. 
So take on, tell your neighbor for me, take on the helmet of your salvation. What that means is that you protect your mind. You keep guarding your brain. You keep guarding your thinking so that your utterance is shaped by them. It is very easy to know what is in your mind. Keep listening to yourself. If you don't know how to listen to yourself, set your phone to record you every day. Just put it in one side and record yourself as you are speaking freely around the house. And then at night, you play it back to yourself. See how many times you have said things that you shouldn't have said. And said off the thing or things like, oh, I'm finished. Oh, this is a bad day. Oh, that result is bad. Everything is going bad, bad, bad. So you, you go on your knees and say, Lord, have mercy on me. And you bring out your tongue and say, tongue, you will not kill me. <laughs> you touch your tongue and say, tongue, you will not kill me. <laughs> From today, become sanctified. Speak the right thing in Jesus' name. But you know how it works? You put the right thing in your mind. Because the Bible says it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So when you find that your tongue is speaking the wrong things, you need to spend more time and invest in your heart. And my God will keep transforming your mind. In the name of Jesus. Salvation tells us that the hope, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 28, the hope of the righteous will be gladness. That is all that the righteous should hope for. It will be gladness. Proverbs 10 28 is where I'm reading. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. You are not wicked. So your own expectation will continue to be gladness. Your own hope will continue to be gladness over your life, over your spouse, over your children, over your job, it will continue to be gladness. In the name of Jesus, you will see no evil. You will experience no evil. In the name of Jesus. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22, the Bible says a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. When you see a truly happy, joyful, a truly joyful man, he is always healthy. Always healthy, always bouncing. Because a merry heart always does good like a medicine. It always heals. A broken spirit dries the bones. Peter J. Edwards will always say that the devil's work is to try to break the spirit of man. You must keep your heart merry. When you keep your heart merry, you build a shield around your spirit man. It makes it impregnable. It makes it impossible for the enemy to reach your spirit man. When you are full of joy, your joy has captured my heart. I can't help but dance and sing. Your hope has caused my fears to slide away now. I am free, I am saved. Jesus forevermore, you deserve the highest praise. When you sing like that, your heart does good like medicine. That's why I say learn the right songs. Learn the right songs. You are singing, oh, go, God, go, God. The devil will be beating you back. <laughs> Sing the right things. You protect your heart. A merry heart. A merry heart. So you invest. You invest. My wife and I, the first things we did when we met in 1992, we spent about three months learning new songs. 
that we still sing together today. At times we will sit down for one hour. All we are doing is just singing those songs. Your steadfast love extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness, it reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like majestic mountains. And your wisdom's like the depths of the sea. And you come to me. And we sing those songs. We still sing them till today. They protect us. If we go to a place where they are singing, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. It's one I wanna would be singing today. <laughs> Hallelujah. So young people, listen to me. When you go out, if you, if you are on a date, spend time, quality time, to learn the things you should learn. Discuss the things you should, Discuss scripture. You're not too young for it. Discuss scripture. Say, tell me, what, what, do you, what do you know about this verse? He said, my peace, I live with you. I know it doesn't sound exciting. <laughs> it doesn't sound snazzy. You want to talk about those other things. Talk about this. It gives you the right foundation. I say, it gives you the right foundation. And my God will keep you on that right foundation. In the name of Jesus. Deliverance is also something that comes. As part of our salvation package. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 1. Hannah prayed and said. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. <laughs> he said I smile at my enemies. Because I rejoice in your salvation. My God will cause you to smile at your enemies. In the name of Jesus. You know how it is to smile at enemies. When people and things. Situation of life is waiting to hear that you have fallen and that you have failed and you come out victorious that is how you smile at enemies <laughs> hallelujah my God will keep causing you to smile at your enemies in the name of Jesus don't be too righteous than God when we talk about enemies some people think it is too harsh to talk about enemies you have enemies whether you like it or not if I don't know anyone I know Satan is your enemy if he's not your enemy I should be afraid of you <laughs> Because something is wrong. He has to be your enemy. He is all our enemy. So we have enemies. There's no doubt about it. And this is how you will keep smiling at him. In the name of Jesus. Because God will cause your horn to be exalted in joy. In the mighty name of Jesus. This is why we must not seek continuously. We must seek to make sure that we do not allow the devil to steal the joy of our salvation. Go straight to Psalm 51. Remember the prayer of David? He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. One of the things the devil tries to do is to steal the joy of your salvation. Constantly, he attacks it. Constantly, he makes it difficult for you to embrace the true joy. He makes it difficult for you to embrace it and, and enjoy it. And at times he causes you, like David, to slip into things that you ought not to do that drives away the Holy Spirit. That's why David quickly prayed and said, Lord, restore the right spirit in me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation because I need it. I need it for my strength. I need it for my way forward. And may you continue to have that joy in the name of Jesus. The second thing is spiritual maturity. When we become mature, the Holy Spirit helps us to become mature into the things that God has said. We must understand that at times trials are allowed by God to help us to develop. This is the very, very difficult part 
of the Bible to preach. But it is part and parcel and it is the reality. Amen. James said in James chapter 1 verse 2. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. The testing of your faith will keep producing patience. In the name of Jesus. But let's read verse 4 together. What does patience do? He said, but let patience have its what? Perfect work. That you may what? Be perfect and complete. Lacking That is what patience does. It gives you a perfect work that makes you complete, lacking nothing. Hallelujah. No matter how much you love your son or your daughter, if they're just five years old and even if they're tall by stature, you don't give them your car keys because you know that they're not yet matured for it. The Bible says that Jesus Christ himself, who was a baby, he grew in stature. Have you seen a baby? And compared to a full-size man, imagine if it was a baby that they asked to come and carry the cross on Via Della Rosa to Golgotha. Is it possible? It has to be a fully statured man to carry the cross. It has to be a fully statured man to be spread on the cross. So even physically, he had to grow. Hallelujah. So God expects us to go through a process of growth, capacity, enlargement before he brings you to the throne. Hallelujah. There is a throne that is waiting for you. Every trial of life that you are going through now, keep going through it with joy. Never let the devil tell you anything different. Psalm 126, you heard it earlier on in the service today, verse 5. It said, those that sow in tears shall do what? Reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing sheaves in his hand. Many times I have seen believers who give up along the way. And it's a very painful sight when you see people who have been trying, sowing, doing things, and then suddenly along the line they just give up. Many times when it's about the point of your breakthrough, the devil will tell you, it ain't working. It's not working. Give up. Give up. Give up. Stop it. Don't worry. It's not working. It's all lies. It's all this. You've got to keep sowing in tears. Only just keep your joy alive. Keep doing it in joy. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Whatever that thing is that you are giving, your service, your time, your money, your love. Many times spouses have separated just at the brink of time when they needed to just hold on a little bit more and work things out. They say, no, we can't work this out anymore. And I sit across the table and I'm saying to them, guys, it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. And I've seen sadly at times they just let go. But we see a couple of years, three years later, four years later, it becomes obvious that all they needed to do was to just give it a little bit more time and a little bit more understanding, a little bit more patience, and of course, a little bit more adjustment on both parties. You must never give up doing the right thing. God told me, he said, son, as long as you keep doing the right thing, you can never go wrong. As long as you keep doing the right thing, you can never go wrong. I decree that you will not go wrong. In the name of Jesus. Keep sowing in tears because you will reap in joy. Sowing in tears means you are sacrificially giving yourself to the things that God said. And keep doing it in joy. Keep doing it rejoicing. Hallelujah. So my prayer for you is in Colossians 1.11 that you will continue to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. For all the patience and long suffering with joy. I say you will be strengthened with all might in the name of Jesus. The last thing I want to say is that you need to learn how to remain in God's presence. The first thing is that it works through your salvation 
and it works through the process of spiritual maturity, the second thing. But you need to also know how to remain in God's presence. If you want to keep experiencing the joy of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us to stay closer to God. You heard it earlier as well, Psalm 16, 11, it says, you will show me the path of life in your presence. Is what? The fullness of joy at your right hand are what? Pleasures forevermore. The word of God that we experience in his presence is our source of joy. When we come to the word of God, when we come to God's presence, the only thing, God, God does not dance for us. He doesn't do a show for us. Have you ever been in his presence and he says, son, sit down, I want to dance for you. If you have ever seen God in that way, come and call me next time you are going. <laughs> Wherever you see him like that, come and call me, I want to see that. He doesn't do that. The only thing he does is to speak. That's all he does. He speaks. He honors his word above his name. He speaks. So when we gather like this, it is an opportunity to hear him speak. When you study the word of God by yourself, it's an opportunity to hear him speak. When you pray, please allow him to speak. Let God keep speaking to you. So when you are in his presence, he shows you the path of life. When you see the path of life, it becomes easier for you to walk in joy. It becomes easy for you to know where to go, what to do. He tells you things that are about to happen. He shows you things. He shows you the path of life. And he gives you the pleasures that are evermore in his presence. I pray you continue to experience him in the name of Jesus. This is why Isaiah 55 says, So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. When you hear the word of God and you believe it, it shall accomplish what he pleases. In the name of Jesus. He said, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. Let's read verse 12 together loud and clear. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing. Where? Before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Hallelujah. Instead of the thorn, verse 13. Instead of what everybody else's experiences, you will have the cypress tree. I said instead of the thorn, you will have the cypress tree. Instead of the briar, you will have the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Hallelujah. I said that will be your portion. God will cause you to experience differently from what the world is experiencing. These harsh economic realities and the difficulties of the modern day will not catch up with you. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says when people are saying there is a casting down, you shall say there is a lifting up. My God will keep lifting you higher and higher. In the name of Jesus. Only believe and you shall see the glory of God. We live in perilous times indeed. Lives are being battered by the devil. And I believe that it is not the portion of believers to go through the same battering that the enemy is battering. Because every provision of scripture tells us that there will be darkness. There will be gross darkness. But for us, there will be an arising of a bright light. And will cause us to arise and shine. Because our own light has come. So shall it continue to be. In the name of Jesus. Just make this choice today. Possessing joy is a choice. We choose whether to live in joy or not. If you want to be grouchy, grumpy, and looking gloomy all over the place, it's a choice. If you want to look healthy, joyful, vibrant, it's a choice. 
The only thing is when you choose, you believe God. When you don't believe God, then you've chosen to be other ways. But I believe you will make the right choice today. In the name of Jesus. 1 John 1, 4 says, And these things write I to you, that your joy may be full. Your joy will be full. Your joy will be full. In the name of Jesus. Now you're going to stand up. We're going to read Colossians 4, 4, but I want you to say it to your neighbor. Philippians 4, 4. We're going to read it, but I want you to say it to your neighbor for me a few times. He said he wants your joy to be full. Philippians 4, 4, please. Let's read that together. Well, well.